Hello um, and welcome to um, our podcast, a fourth podcast. And uh, yeah, so we've um, been thinking about what, what to do, what we're going to say this morning. And it's, it's, uh, uh, we weren't short of um, things to discuss about. But so the theme we've, we've um, hammered out is Father or Pharisee, Shepherd or Charlatan. And uh, it's about having trying to find truth and what you read in the Bible and that's uh, what your calling is and what you see the direction of the Bible, or the, the New Testament particularly, and um, that, that uh, other people will say another version of what you, you see um, you're called to do. Um, so, and, and, and so, but that also leads us into um, uh, our, our hearts obviously have... Um, can pinpoint people that um, or situations that um, can grieve us, and so we're tempted to go down um, certain uh, emotions of um, self-justification. Um, and it, what I read this morning from Ephesians four, verse thirty-one to thirty-two, and it says, uh, "Get rid of bitterness, passion, and anger. No more shouting or insults. No more hateful feelings of any sort." Instead, be kind and tender-hearted to one another, and forgive one another, as God has forgiven you through Christ. Um, so, um, on that, um, I'll just um, pass it over to um, uh, Damien. So, what's uh, your sort of um, sort of um, what buttons have we sort of pressed this morning on those themes of, of shepherd, a sh- shepherd or charlatan, or father or Pharisee? Yes, um, I think I think it's really important this passage, like my brother Jan was saying, that there is times when you go and read your Bible and you probably think, well, I understand something from the scripture, but then there is this other person who tells me differently. Mm. I don't think we're discussing a theological perspective rather than that Holy Spirit moment when you feel a calling upon your life so deep and penetrating mm. that you feel like you cannot even breathe without fulfilling it. Mm. But then you also have your leaders on whom you have to be obedient onto. And, um, you know, you want to honor your elders because the Bible tells you honor your elders. You can't just pick up yourself and say, oh, here it is, the call of God upon my life. I'm just going to wildly run into this brick wall and do it. You cannot do that. You need your church behind you. You need your brothers. You need people that love your God, you know. You need these people behind you. Because without Mm. these people, you cannot build. Either you are children in a house, or you are one wild man who jumps over fences to do a wild dream. And the discipline comes from, personally, this is for me, is from Kings, chapter 5. David it's been that now for a while, and Solomon is the one that's been put in charge to build the temple of his father. And his father didn't build it because he had his reasons why he could not. But Solomon is here, and he feels the call of God upon his life that he needs to build it. And even though he has the chance to build it now, he doesn't do it by himself, but he does it with a team of people. And the verse I had in mind, uh, similar to Jan, was uh, 1 King chapter 5, verse 5. I intend, therefore, to build a temple for the name of the Lord, my God, as the Lord told my father David when he said, 
Your son, whom I will put on the throne in your place, will build the temple for my name. And I guess that's what the calling of God is upon our lives, to build something together. But the reality is when God is calling you and your brothers, your elders don't understand that calling, what do you do then? And that's the struggle. So more on this subject, uh, with the wisdom from God and the Holy Spirit, I think our brother Ben will elaborate more about this. Um, yeah, stay tuned. Ben? Uh, this is personally a very challenging <laughs> subject because um, anybody that knows me and, you know, we're the same, it's like Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, it's like God has shut up fire in his bones. Mm. And um, it's a very, very difficult life to walk when you have a calling and a fire from God where you literally feel, if I don't get this out and do something, it feels like you're going to die. Mm -hmm. And some of you listening might resonate or understand that. Um, but you also have to have that in one hand. And in the other hand, you need to understand yourself because we'd like to think that we're all merrily going through life obeying Jesus and that's the only thing that influences but reality is we're also a product of our experiences in our life and um, we've all had experiences that cause us to be frustrated bitter hurt angry upset and uh, particularly this year I've had to look, look at my own life and think what am I what am I doing because God has called me and what am I doing or saying because I'm actually bitter or, or upset or angry? Um, so we're trying to get to this this tension. And um, at the moment, I'm reading the Gospel of John and I've just hit the wedding at Cana and Jesus clears the temple. And I think what we're looking at, you know, the theme is a contrast in attitude so the difference between a father and a Pharisee and the difference between a shepherd and a charlatan. But, you know, this chapter two in John, it, all, it again shows this conflict and this tension between Jesus is at a wedding revealing his glory and his disciples are believing him. And there's this amazing miracle. And then the very next the very next story is Jesus is getting a whip and going into his father's house, the temple, and he's driving out all these people. So you have this great conflict of great glory and Jesus doing something amazing. And then the next minute, he's having to go into his own father's house and drive everybody out because it was such a mess. And, you know, I sometimes look at Jesus and think, it says he did that because zeal for his, his father's house consumed him. So... That's a big question, is how do you handle righteous anger and passion, um, but don't let it become frustration and bitterness and anger? And I've been in a place and I meet lots of people who are reacting to bad experiences in their life about church and mission and people and this and that and this and this person said this and this leader did this to me. And it's an endless, it's an endless list of opportunities to be bitter but what we're trying to do is to be honest about the things that have happened and shaped us but to say 
How do we move on from that? How do we how do we become more like fathers than Pharisees? How do we, we become more like shepherds than charlatans? How do we acknowledge the things that are not right and speak out against them, but actually do it in a positive way that actually leads to people being built up? Because mm. Jan read those verses that actually we want to we want to share words that are helpful and not harmful. And speaking personally, I've had a lot of words said to me from brothers and sisters in Christ that are very harmful. And I'm not wanting to repeat that cycle in my own life because I'm wanting to make disciples and help other people develop. I want to be like a father who develops spiritual children, not like a Pharisee who gives people a lot of a list of rules, but actually doesn't live out them myself and is a hypocrite. I want to be like a shepherd, someone who cares for the sheep, doesn't run away when it gets hard, instead of being like a charlatan or a hired hand who, Jesus said, is really only in it for the money or what they can get out of it. So I might have some more things to add later, but I'd love to hear Jan develop this theme. Um, well, the thing that came into my mind was um, is that uh, when I was... Um, I. I been called to go on an overseas mission with Damien and uh, and five days before he left and he'd already he'd known for about a year that he was going and and I, and, and I had no clue that I was going and I was just patting him on his back and saying yeah get on with it um, all the best I'll pray for you brother and then suddenly I had the tap on my shoulder and said right you got to go and I and I felt compelled to stand in front of my church um, here locally and uh, tell them that that's what I was doing and I had there was two reactions and the there were people that came who were you know slightly older or they were to do the sort of eldership of the, the church that were uh, um, not happy about me going and um, they didn't say it directly to me but I, through other people they basically they said it it wasn't from God and they hadn't had any peace about it, and and if anything, then there was somebody said uh, um, or somebody asked because we we were wanting some financial help, uh, and uh, and and they are they, this person sort of asked the eldership, and they said, don't help them because this is this is uh, demonic, and uh, you know I got to say how it really you know how it sounded, and it and I think you know when uh, if. Um, Abraham, um, you know, turned to his, uh, uh, an advisor and said, look, I've had this calling to, to um, sacrifice my child. They would say the same. They'd say, this is demonic. It's only a, hu- it's a basic human reaction. Uh, and, but do we stop that, uh, that walk towards being obedient to go overseas into a dangerous area, uh, take our son to the sacrificial altar, um, we got to proceed until we're told otherwise, and it's 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 showing God what's in our hearts, and it's painful and psychologically quite a crazy thing to do, and it goes against the grain uh, of all, all self-preservation, um, and so so yeah, the two reactions I had was one flack and, and criticism and saying it was demonic, and then there were other people that came forward that morning said. That's really good that, you know, you've had a calling, you know, we're not here to live forever. And, you know, Jesus, you know, obviously died for, uh, to bring the truth. 
and ultimately that's what we're going to do is um uh, we are we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice and to carry that cross every day and, it, and we're going to get persecution and and the blowback um so yeah that that's that's been my experience and and you know i don't i don't have any bitterness towards the people that criticized us because i think it's a, just a natural reaction um you know here in somerset uh, you know, uh, people are very comfortable, and you know our Christianity isn't birthed in a persecuted environment, like what we read in, in uh, from the Book of Acts. Um, so it's only a natural reaction that with self-preservation first, and uh, uh, towards the people around us. And um, so, yeah. On on that note, um, uh, David, now I'll kick the ball over into your hand and and see if we can keep the ball. Uh, moving with all the things that you've been um, thinking about and uh, um, yeah so yeah I think in the same subject I have wrote um, a few things on Facebook some of you who followed me probably noticed it um, I was saying I was dreaming of a world of a world where we're all one a world in which we all celebrate together. A world where nobody has too much or too little. A world where if one has something to eat, he splits it in half and gives it to his other brother who doesn't mm. have. A world where if you want to go and risk your life to die for Jesus, that would be the greatest encouragement. Your brothers, they would tell you, yes, go and do this. They wouldn't stop you because they think, that, oh, you're going to die, you know. And the reality is I have not yet discovered that. I mean, I might be naive here when I say this, but I, I personally haven't. I would have loved to have met on this journey of mine people who come to me. I don't expect them to put their hand in their pockets and say, here's this money, take it. But I would expect them to say, I'm really glad that there is someone amongst us who is not scared to lose his life for Jesus' sake, but is willing to do anything and everything to achieve the goal. What is the goal? To build a house for the Lord in places where the gospel has not yet been heard. Because I don't understand if you're a brother and you're listening to this, how can you like sit in the church, sing songs that talks about your salvation and glorifies Jesus, but then there is millions of people in places far away where they have never even heard of Jesus. They ha haven't got that opportunity to sing like you sing. And you are able to do that because God has blessed your country wherever you are. To have peace, you know. And in this peace, God has blessed you with, um, you know, financially, with a home, with comfort. And everything goes exactly as you wanted. And probably is taboo to even think to lose your life for Jesus. But the very reason we have heard the gospel is because of simple people, fishermen, a tax collector, you know. And if these people would have not been prepared to lose their lives, to share the gospel, we would have not even heard it. Mm. We would have not been saved. Yeah. And now we value those things that those people have done, but when is our turn to return the same favor? We don't do it. 
In Colossians 3.3 it says that our life is hidden in Christ. So really, how can you even lose your life? It doesn't even make sense. If Jesus said that your life is hidden in him, what is it that you're fearing? I think one of the scariest things is, is that moment when Jesus will come and he will say, Give me back my blood that I have shed for you. How can you sit there and answer, Well, Lord, well, well, well. You will mumble. You won't be able to stand up there and answer, Yes, salvation is to grace. And in Romans says, Wherever sin abounds, grace shall abound even more so. Yes, we all know this. But how can you stay before a holy God who has shed his blood for you? But then you haven't even, like, shared it with anyone. And this is where the conflict comes in, because some people actually do feel that call in their lives, like myself, like Ben, like Jan, and probably thousands more. And when they rise up, you know, it always has to almost like fill this criteria. And uh, that criteria varies depending on where you are. Also, the criteria uh, varies based on which organization you join, which country you're going to, or how you're going to share the gospel. And I think this democracy of evangelism is rubbish, personally. Because as long as you want to share Christ, you yourself might not be a very educated person. But uh, just because of that reason, because you're not very educated. But what you have is this. You know that Jesus has died for you. And that's your treasure. And what you want to do now is you want to share that treasure. Jesus talks about... Uh, a lady who lost a coin in her home and she crazily searches everywhere. She says she puts the light on and that light is, is a description that is that there's a midnight or maybe early, early morning. The daylight has not broken in yet. And she has to light her candle. She finds her coin and in the middle of the night, when she found her coin, she runs and she knocks at her neighbor's doors and she says, come, come, come and celebrate with me. What a crazy love that is. That is absolutely powerful. That she has found her coin and now she runs to rejoice with her friends. How much more so you who have Christ, who understand your salvation, who your eternity is in the hands of your Savior, your Jesus, your most precious one, yet you don't even dare to go and share it with anyone. But those who do rise to go and share it, um, the leadership board, most of the time, not always, but most of the time, they'll stop people to do that. Either they're not ready, or they haven't done a theological degree, or maybe they're not that fluent in speech, or maybe they just disagree on some minor theological mislaps. I don't know, it just doesn't make sense. I think it should be sufficient. If Christ has died for you, and you understood that, I think you should receive that support from your brothers and sisters. Of course, this is a world which I dream of. Maybe you dream of a different world. And I'm not making this a common thing. I'm saying, yes, there are churches who actually do support this. But um, if you happen to be in one of the churches um, that you're not receiving support, this is, I suppose, the hardest uh, thing we're trying to do this morning. How to encourage you and what are you supposed to do if you feel the call of God on your life? And we come to the conclusion, this is what we all have done, is pray. Pray in a way that the Lord will put your enemies under your feet, because that's what David has done. 
He did not go to build the house of the Lord, but he was praying to and waited. And if your situation doesn't change, well, maybe you need to pray more and see what God wants you to do. Because the reality is this, that what God has ordained, it will come to pass, whether your congregation likes it or it doesn't. I'm not telling you to go against your congregation. I'm telling you is that what God is telling you to do is more important than any man will tell you to do. Let all men be a liar, but let God be true. Mm. Ben? Yeah, I think um, I think that encouragement, Damien, is a good one to, to pray, to not react. Because I think, uh, you know, it's easy to react, to do things that you think and to act out of frustration. But... Um, yeah, Jesus wants us to, to take these things towards him in prayer. Um, for for me personally, about 10 or 11 years ago, having prayed, the conclusion I came to was that we needed to build something different and actually put our money where our mouth is. And, um, you know, we come back to this theme of are you being a shepherd or a charlatan? Because, you know, Jesus... Jesus talked a lot about, in um, I think it's John 15, about the good shepherd versus the hireling. And uh, yeah, I've, I've talked to lots of people, done lots of trainings, visited all different churches of shapes and sizes and all these things. And I've heard some really, really amazing strategies and visions and all that. But do you know what really matters is are you prepared to love other people? That, that's it. I remember one guy, you know, talking about someone came to him and gave him this great church planting strategy. And, and then my friend just picked it up and ripped it up and put it in the bin and said, that's about how valuable that, that piece of paper is. Because you can have all these great ideas and plans and visions and spiritual revelations. But actually, the bottom line is how deeply and how prepared are you to love other people? Um, you know, Jesus said that there's people that he called hirelings who at the first sign of danger, they run away. Like they wash their hands of the of the people in the situation because they're only doing it for money. Now, you know, it might not be for the money, but it's basically people are, tend to be only in it for themselves. And I have to question myself about that. Question: We question each other. What's our motivation here? Are we doing it for Jesus and the love for the people? Or are we just doing what we can get out of it? Because um, it says a shepherd lays his life down for the people. So we've all been, I'm sure, in situations where we've seen leaders and other people in responsibility not laying their life down for the people. Well, I want to encourage you to move beyond being bitter and annoyed and saying all bad things about them and actually show show a different way then. Build something different. Stop talking about all the problems in your church. You do something about it. You bring the thing that you see as lacking to the church. You show people how to follow Jesus. You show the people in your church how to let other people know about Jesus. And what's the other what's the other part of the title is Father or Pharisee? And um I wanna just tell a quick story about a guy who I'm sort of mentoring. He lives in, in Africa and um he he has been called by God to plant churches. 
So I'm trying to encourage him in some ways that I can. And he messaged me this week um, and he said that the pastor of the church he's part of has rebuked him and, and told him that he has to leave the church. So I talked to him and I've asked him a lot about it. And it basically seems to be that the, the pastor of the church feels threatened by by my friend who's growing and starting to to teach and, and minister. And uh, to be really, really honest, I feel very, very angry about that because the role of a leader or a pastor of a church is to, to develop those in your care. So my friend is actually obeying Jesus and developing, and yet he's been asked to leave the church because the leader feels threatened. And really that's why part of the title is called Father or Pharisee, because, you know, if, when you read in the Bible, the Pharisees were basically concerned about preserving their own self-righteousness mm. and their yeah. own law and their own religion yeah. and they wanted to keep themselves feeling special and they didn't want anybody else to be a part of it you know their whole concern was keeping the law obeying all the little rules and they missed the whole thing about mercy and compassion and other people whereas Paul was saying actually you know I think it's in 1 Corinthians he said you know you might have 10,000 teachers and people that can tell you right from wrong, but you only have one father because through the gospel, I, I've become your father. Mm. And it's this comparison between the world, quite frankly, doesn't need people to take the Ten Commandments to them and to give them. People, people kind of know what they should be doing, but they don't know how to do it. And so they need a father who can come alongside and to help them. You know, Jesus hasn't Jesus hasn't told us, I believe, to go and distribute his laws and his rules to people. He said, go and love people, go and make disciples, go and share your life with them, go and help them to obey. Because a lot of people don't even know how to obey Jesus. You know, we spend a lot of our time with people who have a desire to want to follow Jesus, but they don't know how to. They don't know they don't know how to find their purpose in life. They don't know how to fill that gap in their life with Jesus that at the moment they're filling with drink and drugs and sexual relationships and all these kind of things. And um, so this is why we're this is why we're looking at this this theme of how we how we take that that holy frustration and anger, but live it live it out in a healthy way, in not a damaging way. And the message is basically. Are you prepared to move beyond that point of just bitterness and anger and frustration that actually doesn't build anything? Um, because God wants us to build. You know, we're as a team, we're looking at our Mission Somerset values. Why? Because we're trying to build something. We're not any longer going to just talk about what we're not. Well, we're not like this church. We're not that. We're not going to do that. OK, yeah. But what are we going to do? Who are we about? What good things are we planting into these new disciples? Because all of these guys, they don't want to go to a church. That's what they're saying. And when we've listened to them, it's because they see it as like the Pharisees. Why would we go somewhere where people don't practice what they preach? So literally, as on the team, we're trying to be like fathers. We're not trying to tell everybody what to do, what to do, what to this, what the... We're actually trying to help people develop. 
and how to to be disciples of Jesus. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think you, you, Ben, you sort of um, you know got to the bottom of it really, and I, and I think you summed it up quite well. Um, and uh, I suppose I don't have anything anything to add to that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you've you know encompassed it um, really well. Um, uh, Damon, have you got anything to? I want to ask Ben a few questions. Yeah. Um, even though I think you have elaborated beautifully what happened in Africa. Yeah. Um, just for our listeners to understand this a little bit more. Um, we don't disagree with just one party or agree with one party only, but we kind of like agree and disagree with both parties. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think what you're asking me is, yeah. um, what have I what have I encouraged my friend to do? Is that kind of yes. what you're asking? You know, because I'm trying to be like a father and not a Pharisee, I no longer try and get into arguments and debates about who's right, who's wrong, who's this, who's that. Because I think Paul Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that actually knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. So personally, I've chosen to to let go of the pursuit of knowledge of right or wrong, which might make me feel better, to actually love people. So I encourage this guy. Um, actually, I'm not encouraging him to do anything other than to pray. I felt him to encourage him from the story of Joseph because Joseph could have acted out of great bitterness. You know, he was he was left for dead by his own brothers. He was accused falsely by Potiphar's wife. And he found himself in jail. Yeah, it says when he was in jail, mm. it says a simple verse, which changes a lot. God remembered Joseph and showed him his loving kindness. Mm. What? Joseph was in jail. Yeah. So Joseph could have become like a lot of Christians that I meet who are so bitter that they're doing nothing apart from just moaning and arguing or but he didn't. Even in that place where he everything was going against him and he found himself in prison, he tried to serve and to realise that God was still with him and God's calling on his life was still with him. And uh, these things were tests of Joseph's character. Um, so I've encouraged this friend to pray, to obey Jesus, but also to not fight not fight this pastor or or worry about what people are saying to him, but to to remind himself of what has God called him to do and to be gentle and loving and kind and not to act in the same way that he's being treated. Mm. And, you know, yeah. really, that's that's the way of love and being a disciple. Yeah, I think that thing of, of love and preserving that purity of love uh, is, is, um, is like impossible, but it's only through the Holy Spirit that we can do that and maintain that and get prompted to remind you to be put on that course because we're going to get sidetracked into the temptations mm-hmm. and you know th- you know just the, the whole sort of uh looking at the gospels and the you know the how uh we moan uh, how and uh, jesus had the um the friction of the pharisees um and you know he he would um he'd moan about them and and um, and, and point to, and say directly to them. Actually, it wasn't something he he said behind closed doors. He he said it. That he went in their houses and he would, you know, be eating their food and he'd be telling them off. 
uh, or he'd go into the temple and with a whip and and clear it and you know it was it wasn't um you know behind closed doors he was really up front and out there and and he and then he moved into the the uh, book of acts and what paul was doing and they moved on they moved on from judaism uh, and the pharisees and they were they were in 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 to christianity and proclaiming that and taking it onto the road and going from town to town city to city uh, uh, and proclaiming this this new thing called the god about jesus christ and his salvation and, and so what they what would they they have a moan about and it was uh, idolatry and paganism and and worshiping idols um and and you know, we we have that to a certain extent here with to do with glastonbury but um or, or to do with what people's own struggles uh that they're going through whether it's to do with, to do with drugs addictions or uh, you know immoralities and sexual sense whatever you know, it, you know people are struggling through these things and and uh it is. It's hard, and we might think, "Oh, why do people do that?" And why, you know, and and it's only through um, prayer and keep preserving that sense of purity, that pure heart towards them, as God um, looks on us as children, or whatever stage we're at, and He's still going to love us when we we make mistakes. And it's, um, but yeah, I just try to sort of put my finger on what it is to be trying. Have that heart of God, that heart of Jesus, to the people that we're with, and not be sidetracked. Um, and there's lots of opportunities to be sidetracked. Yeah, go on, go for it. Um, I just like to share something. This is something I learned from Ben. That's believing this reality where, when a leader doesn't know what to do with his people, he panics, and he can do two things: either cut off and put it away or enchain him and say no you're not you can't do this um probably a similar experience that happened to me this week where i had a, a group of people gathered in my home and i had this guy sitting next to me and he started talking about how he feeds himself kundalini light no uh, kundalini oh the, yeah the sort of new age approach the chakras and things yes yes, yes. And his, he described it as love and he just went into it to define what it means. To me, that personally sounded not godly. Well, it wasn't godly, of course it wasn't. But I was thinking, like in me, a frustration that I had no clue how to take what he just said and turn it into something that the Bible teaches us. And I didn't know. And there is this guy who just recently got baptized. And he's a new disciple in Jesus and he's still growing. He looks at the man and after he heard what he said, he goes, Wow, yeah, that is a form of worship, you know, and it is love. But uh, maybe you should pray to Jesus because Jesus is the love. And he just twisted it. And this guy is not a scholar in the Bible or anything. But the Holy Spirit just came over him and he just knew what to do with that. And the man looks at him and he goes, you know what, you're absolutely right. <laughs> to the point where I literally let my guard down and I'm thinking, how did he do that? I can't answer how he done it. The reality is the Holy Spirit chooses to use whomever he wants. Mm. And I could have been frustrated. Why did I not answer that? I, I'm the leader. I, I'm the much more experienced in the word of God. But all of that boiled down to nothing mm. when the Holy Spirit used this fresh new disciple. 
Mm. Mm. It, it gave me a lesson of life, you know? Mm. Mm. I yeah, think I would, go on, yeah. Go, I, I think it's just that thing of, you know, the Pharisee or, or father, mm. shepherd of Charlton, is that, you know, as a shepherd, um, it, it's, it's, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to, um, to use people. And sometimes you feel like, oh, I've got to do all the work. But no, you just, you, you, you allow the Holy Spirit to use people. And, and the Pharisees is all about dishing out the rules. Mm. And there's no sort of uh, discernment of, of, uh, of, of spirit or the spirit in the situation. It's about just dishing out the rules and say, you do it my way or the highway. Uh, and, and churches can be like that. Um, and and it can you know it has that sense of judgmentality about it and mm. you know which what 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 people say about you know non Christians will say to a Christian will say you know you're, it's so judgmental you know you're being so judgmental um, and 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 that's you know that's a subject we could talk about later but um, it's about allowing the Holy Spirit to use people and and so um, sometimes yeah, the Holy Spirit will convict us as a father to say something to point something out um uh, and other times um he, the holy spirit will convict that person you don't have to um use your uh, uh um your voice to speak over that person the holy spirit will say it in a deeper in a in inner way um so yeah it's just that having letting go and, and trusting yeah. yeah i think the saddest thing is um well, I'm not talking directly to a church. I'm talking in general, churches, groups of people, who whoever they claim, like they worship, they worship Jesus, you know, in their gatherings. I think the saddest thing is when the leadership that sits ahead of the congregation doesn't trust their people to lead from the pulpit. You know, because the people who attend these groups, churches, or, you know, whether it be Pentecostal, Baptist, Orthodox, Catholic, you name it. We are, we're, once we say we believe in Jesus, we, we, weren't we supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Isn't mm. it says be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm. We are supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. Your leadership supposed to teach people who are supposedly filled with the Holy Spirit. So if these people are filled with the Holy Spirit, why isn't the leadership trusting them enough to believe, well, these people of mine, they've been filled with the Spirit of God. Why is it that I don't trust them to to lead now? Mm. I think that's um, one of the issues. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, well, there's lots more we could say, but um, I think I'd like to, to pray. Mm. Pray for everybody listening, pray for ourselves. Um, so Jesus, we want to be like fathers and not Pharisees. And we want to be good shepherds and not charlatans. We don't want to be like the Pharisees who put heavy burdens on people but are not prepared to lift a finger to help them. We don't want to be like the religious leaders who make one convert and then take them with us and we turn them into twice as much sons of, sons of hell as we are. We want to be like fathers 
who are able to nurture and develop people. And I pray that for ourselves and for everyone listening, that you would break out, break us out of these cycles that we've been in so that we can experience more of your love and care and offer that to other people. We pray that even now that you would show us who to care for, for those that we're trying to disciple. We pray that you will show us ways that we can go deeper in our relationships with people. Help us to move beyond bitterness and frustration and anger. Pray that you would help everybody listening to to model and build the things that you're asking them to do. And we pray for, for ourselves as we're sharing these thoughts that you would help us to be humble and gentle like you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Amen. 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 So thanks for listening again, guys. Um, if you want to find out more about the work we're doing, you can go to our, our new website, www.missionsomerset.co.uk or search for Mission Somerset on social media. And um, we'd love to hear for you if these podcasts are helping and encouraging you. Mm. Then um, we'd love to hear your feedback. We'd love you to pass it on to other people. Mm. Yeah, um, sure is. yeah. But most of all, we'd like you to be like Jesus. Mm. So see you soon. Yeah, okay. Yeah, bye.